Well, we are in our second week of our Love Invasion series. We kicked it off strong with our Easter service last week. And uh, we've taken the, these, this concept, these two things that seem juxtaposed and they don't go together. And we've got love and invasion and we're taking some of these concepts. And even at men's, at men's lunch, we talked about uh, the Lord is a warrior. And, uh, and sometimes we can, but we can back off of that. But it's when we understand it, that God wins by his love. That's how he wins. That's what this is all about. So go ahead, and if you've got your version notes open on your smartphone or your iPad or whatever, if you've got your bulletin, then we're going to go ahead and just cruise into these notes because the, God's love is incredible. It's beautiful. It's honestly, it's more than we can really wrap our minds around. And the beauty of God's love is that he has chosen to pour out his love and his forgiveness and his acceptance on those that were his enemies. We talked about it last week that it's one thing to love somebody that loves you. In fact, you can pretty much be define yourself as a jerk by being somebody who is unloving towards somebody that loves you. It's for we we expect it. But there's a, Jesus took this to another level. God took this to a whole other place when people were completely against him. And he chose to love anyway. That's why we said it last week and we'll say it again. If you feel like you're in a place where you feel like you're an enemy to God, guess what? God doesn't view you as an enemy. We covered that well last week. God has, has not, doesn't do that. He loves you and he wants to bring you into his family. And the truth is, is that his love invaded enemy territory. Let's look at Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, in this. He shows us how it works. Anytime something is demonstrated, it's typically because they want a response. You go out, and my kids call them the makers. And they love the makers at Sam's or any of these places. And they cook up the stuff, and they have the little spot. And then they have the stuff on the toothpicks. And they're like, can we go to the makers? And we're like... Yes, you can go to the makers. And so they walk up and the, the, the makers look at us and look and see if they have permission. So they hand it all out and they enjoy. And they are there demonstrating the product because they want people, they want a response. They want people to take it, enjoy it, and to, to make an investment in it. God demonstrated his love. He demonstrated it not just to show it off. Woohoo! look at all this love I've got. <laughs> Too bad you can't have any. Look at this, I'm loving, I'm sweet, I'm awesome. Wouldn't you love some of this? Nope. No, he demonstrated his love because he wants us to partake in his love. And this is how he did it. Because honestly, if he didn't do it this way, we really wouldn't embrace it the right way. We really wouldn't wrap our minds around it. He demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us i want to take a minute to burst somebody's bubble in here right now if you showed up to church today to earn brownie points with god and so that you could kind of make him happy so that you could feel a little less sinful so that he might like you a little bit more ain't gonna work you have my permission you can leave now 
If that was your plan, it's, it's, I'm going to burst your bubble. It's not going to work. That's not what church is about. That's not what church is for. We're here to learn about the fact that while we were bonehead, selfish idiots, he, God sent his son to die for us. And he loves us. And he wants to draw us in. And he wants to remove all the hurdles that get between us and him so that we can experience his love. That is what he did. That is what he did. I've shared this, <clears throat> this story and I'll give you the condensed version because my life was forever impacted. My high school years, I shared one of them last week of a, of a camp experience that I had with God and a decision I made. And then my, <clears throat> my first car was a fully restored 67 Mustang. Incredible. It was awesome car. But at 16 years old, um, I was immature and uh, an idiot and possessive and all of this stuff drove me to make a fleshly response yelling at my sister in the back seat pull the wheel with me total my fully restored 67 mustang two months after i got my driver's license two months my dad had reached into his resources had out of his love Wisdom doesn't do this. Only love does this. Reached into his retirement and pulled money out to purchase this car for me. This car was incredible. The man that signed it over to my dad that had personally restored it, 40-something-year-old man, cries signing the title. This car was that awesome. It was that awesome. And I wreck it. And I was absolutely, absolutely destroyed inside. And my dad had had this incredible, incredible display of love for me. And I was scared, honestly. I was just scared. And, uh, and so there was this whole process and ends up, um, my mom gets a hold of my dad and, and I actually physically go into shock and uh, medical shock over my loss. And um, my dad gets home and all I get word is through my mother to pack my bags. Not encouraging. But thankfully, he told my sisters to pack their bags. So he's just done with parenting, period. <laughs> this is not going the way I thought it was going to go. I'm out. And uh, so we pack our bags, and they load us up, and we have a very long, quiet 30-minute drive from Odessa. I mean, yeah, Odessa to Andrews, to my grandmother's house. And they dump us off at my grandmother's house. And um, my dad doesn't say a word, gets in, the, gets in their vehicle, goes to Rio Doso, spends some time in the mountains, and uh, comes back. And at my grandmother's house, picks us up, does not look at me, does not respond to me, does not talk to me, picks us up, loads us up. We have yet another very long, quiet 30-minute drive back to Odessa. Still quiet. Get back to our house. I'm there hiding in my room. Staying as far away from my dad as I possibly can. Anytime you feel like you've messed up, we always push ourselves away. We always hide. We always do that. We always do that. And I was hiding. And then finally I had to go in towards the living room for some reason. And my dad's coming in from the other end of the deal. And, and our living room at that point in that house was fairly narrow. And he's we're on a collision course. And I'm like, yikes, this is not good. So my dad's coming at me. I'm coming at him. And I just I did do the sidestep thing. I just get out of his way. Just give him away. 
And I just, I just completely just sidestepped just that drastically. And my dad sidesteps in front of me, into my face. And I'm like, oh, all right. I was braced. I was ready. <clears throat> I can't ever tell this story without crying, ever. Amen, um, and my dad reaches out his arms and he hugs me. And my mom, for the first time in their married life, and I was 16 years old, sees my dad cry. And the two of us just ball hugging in the middle of this living room, crying. Not over the loss of a car, but all the almost loss of a relationship. Over the near miss of a loss of relationship. And that moment when, when I was confronted with, with grace, when I'd been given something so huge and so big and so life-changing and had wrecked it. And was ready for the judgment and ready for the punishment. And my dad poured out love on me. And change my life and my perspective forever. That is what the cross is about. That's what that is about. It's about him stepping in the way and making sure that the relationship isn't lost forever. That sin and our mistakes and our stupidity has created this. And he steps in the way and he takes it so that it can stay. It was, that is what this is about. And the beautiful thing is that he has now made us agents of love. We are part, we're now part of the love invasion. In that moment, my daddy was wrapping his arms around me, but my heavenly father was wrapping his arms around me at the same time. My dad had not ever ministered to me as the priest of my home any greater than in that moment. Whenever he had the power of life and death in his hand, and he chose to pour out love and forgiveness on me. Change my life forever. See, 2 Corinthians 5. We'll start verse 17. says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We love that. We love that. But it comes with purpose. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This love that is so big and so awesome that changes us he now wants us to get to be part of ministering it to others. My dad was, a, was an agent of love that day. But you know what? He'll say that his life changed in that living room too. He'll say that he was as impacted in that living room and in that embrace as I was. God brought him into that. And made us ministers of reconciliation. Folks, when, we are, when, when, when sin and destruction happens, our arms do need to fly up. They do, there does need to be a response, but it doesn't need to end in a clenched fist or a wagging finger. It needs to come at it with the expression of the love of God. He's made us ministers of reconciliation, that God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation, he's given that to us. He put it in our hands. And the thing is, is there was a day in, in American culture where there, was, there were kinder and gentler days. But our days aren't as kind and gentle as they used to be. And I'd already created these notes. I'd already done this and had, a, had an incredible example of this yesterday on a <clears throat> cutie. And I took the youngest two to San Antonio 
Because the truth is, I've titled this message, Shock and Awe. Because in our culture, kindness is shocking. And humble servitude is awe-inspiring. We don't get enough of it. We don't get enough of just kindness. Of somebody just kind of going out of their way just to be nice. Just because. It's amazing the things that you and I can, we, we can think and take for granted that the world is hungry for. We went to San Antonio and we went to a little place we'd never been. We'd been on the Riverwalk a kajillion times. We'd never been to this little place called La Valita. We'd been recommended to it and we went. And there's all these little little shops, like a little little market, little fair. And So we're going and it's got all sorts of stuff for older people like Cutie and I. Nothing like kid friendly. And Carson is just like about to chew his arm off in that environment. And uh, he's just ah, all this frou-frou stuff. And I see back in the back corner, I see this thing that says shooting gallery. And I'm like, we're going there. And so we go over there, and this guy that makes these little rubber band guns and has these little targets set up. So we go, and we shoot, and, of course, he's selling the rubber band guns. And, and so we look at them. And so Carson didn't ask for one, and I, I just wanted to get him one. So we get him a little rubber band gun, and he has it. He, we're paying out. And he's just standing right there beside me, and I, I'm signing my little ticket. And Carson just looks up, and he's looking at his gun, and he says, thank you, Daddy, for getting this for me. I go, You're welcome. And the guy on the other side of the table was just in awe of that. He said, you know, that, that hardly ever happens. He said, in fact, I only hear that in Texas. That, God bless Texas! <laughs> Love my state. But he was blown away and we have this sweet moment where this guy who had, who had been a little edgy and a little just curt, all of a sudden just, he just begins to melt. And Cutie walks up in the middle of this and, she's in, and the guy begins to just tell my wife, you're a good mother. He just begins to just pour affirmation on her and just, just bless her. I want to butt the thing. <laughs> what happened to a good dad? Obviously, he knows where the manners come from. <laughs> Although you were rude to me earlier. Not really. But he was blown away. Just this simple act of kindness. Just this simple, simple act of kindness of this little kid saying, thank you for something. This guy who is so used to just rudeness, it just cut through. It just cut through and all of a sudden it changed the whole atmosphere. First Peter 2.12 says, live such good lives. Among the pagans, that's the people that haven't accepted Christ yet. It's not like this. Well, horrible, it just mean people who haven't accepted Christ yet. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, you're living good lives among people that are saying bad things about you. They're accusing you of doing wrong. That they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Why does God change our lives? Why do we begin to respond in a different way? Why do we begin to, is this thing about loving God and loving others so important so that these people get reconnected with their Papa God? That they see His goodness and His kindness reflected in His children. That's the whole point of it. It's not to get brownie points and go to heaven. We're going to heaven because of what Jesus did. Our good deeds point people to Him. Romans 12 says, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If he's in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, listen to this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil 
I'm going to stop right there. But overcome evil. So many people in the, say, you know, in Christendom, well, don't we need to confront the evil in the world? Don't we need to do something about this? And there needs to be some righteousness preaching. There needs to be all this. Stuff. We need to confront the evil. We're told to confront it. We're told to deal with the evil in our world. But let's look and see how we do it. But we are to overcome evil with good. With good. That we're to insert our insert good into that place. We're to insert good there. We're to bring it there. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how we confront evil. We're to go into somebody's horror and we're to bring them some hope. We're to go into somebody's <clears throat> somebody's hurt and bring them healing. We're to go into these places and do and do and bring this this beauty, this good. That is what we're, you and I are called to do. That's what the love invasion is about. It impacts us and changes us, and now we're on the other team. Now, instead of being God's enemies, now we're part of his family, and he begins to use us. And quickly, we're going to roll through here and look at how love invades. And love invades first through action. It invades through action. See, Matthew 9 Verse 36 says, when, the <clears throat> when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. One of the definitions of compassion is love in action. Compassion on them. Because they were harassed and they were helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. Why do the number of workers matter? Because God wants to show his love through us. He doesn't want to ride it in the heavens with on angel fairy dust. He wants to show it through us. Why? Why would he want to do it? Why would he want to do it? Because you know one of the greatest things of hope for somebody that's in a place of hurt is to see somebody that was once as messed up as them restored. It's coming out through angels or some other means like, yeah, yeah, it's still too distant. But when God takes some broken individual that says yes to him and he lets them put them back together, they become a beacon of hope and life to the other people in that same place. In that same place. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Ask that the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. That's what this love invasion series is about. Is God's asking Celebration Church. He's asking us to be this. In a very practical, natural, let's take advantage of the opportunities in front of us every day kind of way. Matthew 15, 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and they haven't had anything to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they'll collapse on the way. So guess what he does? He miraculously feeds thousands of people. His love went into action. It did something. Matthew 20, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and they followed him. Compassion, our love should do something. Love also invades through prayer. We can, we can so write this off, this can feel so grandma-ish or something. What's going on? I've got this tension in this, my, my boss is just irritated. Well, pray about it. Doesn't that sound such a wimpy little deal? 
I'm telling you what, man, it shakes the heavenlies. We need to get the wimpy thoughts of prayer life off of us. Man, I'll tell you, that should be our first place. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. You're sitting here because of prayer. We've prayed. We're believing God. There are people that aren't even impacted yet. There are people away from God and we're praying for them. It makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. Back into Matthew going into verse uh, chapter 5. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. We've already kind of talked about this, but I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. This person that drives you up the wall at work or in your life or at school, guess what? It's been pinpointed. You have an assignment to pray for them. If you wonder, if you wonder who do I pray for? All of a sudden, when that person bristles you, you're like, I now know who I'm supposed to pray for. There we go. Assignment clear. Here we go. That is what the, when we pray for those. And that's our, that should be our response. It's because it really does change things. And we pray that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And since his reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew 6. Then this is how you should pray. Our father in heaven. Remember he wants us to be family. He wants us to refer to him this way. Our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. As it is in heaven. God has released you and I. To pray God's best. The way things should be in heaven. To pray it right here. And ask it to be here. He's released you and I to do it. We need to take him up on it. We need to do that. Prayer is a way for love to invade. Ephesians 1.18. I've, I've prayed this scripture over our church multiple times. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Somebody's battling and dealing with these things. Man, begin to pray for them. That their eyes would be opened up. They would understand how rich God's love is. And love also invades. It invades through us being willing to share. Through sharing. Sharing our time, our talent, our treasures. Those things that God has placed within us. One of those ways. One of those ways to do it. We have an opportunity right now with shoes. We've got boxes we're going to fill up. We set an immediate goal for uh, shoes to go to Afghanistan. We wanted 200. We're going to have to raise that because I got a phone call the next week. Somebody said, I've got 32 pairs of shoes I need to bring you. Woo, talk about being blessed. Blessed household. You got 32 pairs of shoes you're not going to wear. That's awesome. They're going to send them to Afghanistan. That's the way it should be. And I want to challenge you. Let's couple some of these things together, okay? Let's couple some of these things together, all right? We've got a young man here that's about to go to Afghanistan. He's going to go, and these shoes are going to be delivered to Afghanis, okay? How cool would it be? How cool would it be if the pair of shoes that you pray over get put on and make contact again with, with our guy? How cool would that be? Let's begin to pray over Let's begin to pray that they'll begin to know God. We see this scripturally. They prayed over handkerchiefs and that kind of stuff with, with Paul and Peter. We could pray over these shoes. This isn't weird. 
It's in the Bible. We can do this. We pray over these shoes. Pray over them. Believe God that as they put these shoes on, in the armor of God, it's called the gospel of peace. We need some peace in Afghanistan. Let's pray some peace and send them some peace shoes. Maybe things can, dynamic can change as we begin to pour out some love into that area. It changes things. Matthew 5. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. We have an expression in our culture about going the extra mile. This is where it comes from. The Jewish people were a dominated people. And a Roman citizen had the right to go to an occupied person and have them carry a load for them one mile. How, how just revolting for you to be doing whatever you want to do and some guy that's come in and taken over your country to come in and give you something and say, I need you to drop what you're doing and you have to carry this for me for one mile way out of your way. And you have to humble yourself and say yes. On pain of punishment. This kind of thing drove the people Jesus was talking up to up the wall. This just, they hated this. And you know what he said to do? Change the dynamic of it. Make it an opportunity to serve. If you grudgingly do it, you're just barely meeting the minimum. Change it and make an opportunity and say, you know what? I'll, I'll carry this two for you. I'll carry this two. To go that extra mile. That's what that's about. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And I won't read all of it, but many of us are very familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus was using this story to teach people on who their neighbor really were. Because his group that he was talking to did not think the Samaritans counted. And here's this guy who's one of their own in the story that gets beat up. It's not like he was out being stupid. He was just trying along and some thieves come and beat him up. They rob him and leave him naked. He's robbed and naked on the side of the road and some, some good holy people come along, two of them in a row. Look at him and they don't just walk by. They, they go out of their way to just not even get close. They go way around and go around and then finally this third guy comes along. This Samaritan, low-life scumbag Samaritan and sees the guy naked in the ditch and he gets him and he picks him up and he takes care of his wounds. A man, this Samaritan knows that if this guy was in any other condition, wouldn't let him touch him. And he touches him anyways. And he pours all this on and I want us to see here. In verse 33, he says, But a Samaritan has traveled and came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Or you could also say compassion on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, so he gave up his cushy seat and gave it to another guy. And he took him to an inn and he took care of him, and then the next day he took out two silver coins, so he's given his time, he's given his, his sweet ride, he's given his, his money, he's given this place of, to, uh, to the innkeeper, and he says, look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you. Just make sure you make good care, just spare no expense, take good care of this guy, and when you come back, I'll pay his bill. He gave his time, his talent, and his treasures. Jesus says, that's the guy who's the neighbor. Folks, this is the love invasion. 
they want. His love came to us. We're beneficiaries of it. We, we get it. Let's pour it out. Let's pour it out. Let's lift up our eyes. The fields are wide unto harvest. Those harvests are simply opportunities to show God's love. Let's do it. Let's do it. This morning, I want to take a quiet moment for us. And if you're here and you're like, man, Brandon, this is way foreign to me. I don't understand this kind of God. I don't understand this kind of thing. I've always heard of the mean God, the judgment. Guess what? There was judgment. He poured it out on Jesus. Sin was so bad. Somebody had to die and Jesus did it. But we're here today to simply take advantage of that gift. And if you're here today, I want you to embrace that. So I'd appreciate if we create a quiet moment. And if you're here and you say, you know what? I want, I want to say yes to that kind of love. I want to say yes to that kind of grace. I'm not here to join a religion. I'm here to embrace a relationship extended to me. I'm ready to have God as my father. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up. We want to pray with you. We want to pray. Oh, man. Yes. 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 The Bible tells us if we'll just believe in our heart and confess with our mouths that we'll be saved. We step over from death into life. We do it. So let's do that. Believers, I want you to put your voices with them. These aren't magic words. What makes the difference is you owning them. So just pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love for me. That while I was away from you, you were pouring out your love on me. I say yes to it today. I make Jesus my Savior and Him my Lord. I'm right with you today because of what Jesus has done. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. If that was you, we've got some resources. We've got some, uh, some awesome praise music that's very similar to what we do here. We've got a Bible. We've got a little, a little book that helps explain this new life a little bit. We've got an awesome couple who are over here to pray with you or answer questions. We've got somebody over here that's willing to pray if you've got other prayer needs. But we're just going to uh, stand up and we're going to pray. and We're going to go out of here and enjoy this beautiful day. Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy that has just been poured out on us, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. God, we thank you, Lord, that you've made us part of the love invasion. Lord, open our eyes, Heavenly Father. Help us to see just just little opportunities. Lord, the little things can matter. Let us be agents of kindness. Lord, give us a little extra patience with people. Lord, prompt us to pray when somebody aggravates us. Help us to step into our calling, Heavenly Father, Lord, to overcome evil with good. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.